Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. So my wife and I, we currently live as digital nomads. We travel, we usually live in Airbnbs throughout the country, and we stay for about a month or so. Now, when you stay for about a month, you can negotiate prices and do things you can't normally do from the day to day. We were recently having a conversation with the Airbnb because we were going to change over and maybe stay in L.A. for a few more weeks. And as we were talking with the individual who owned the Airbnb, what he told us was that, you know, he used, him and his brother just started this business. They created one Airbnb and they created a new one and they're really new and they just wanted to gain some more information on us. So what happened is the, the host of the Airbnb wanted to talk with my wife and he gave her a call. And it was really interesting because I was currently driving to a location or a mall and he was talking to her and he talked to her for a really, really long time. And it was really strange. And I was like, you know how when you have a conversation with someone and you're overhearing what is being said and you're like, you know, and you're making that face like, what are they talking about? And the other person looks at you and just keeps talking and says, and mouths something to you. That was kind of the situation. And it went on for a really long time. And he was asking lots of questions about her job. What does she do? Then she, he was asking questions about me, wanted to see my LinkedIn what I did for a living, came through all this stuff, and then kind of even asked about different things, and somehow my wife started talking about this podcast, and he said maybe he's heard of it before, which I was flattered, but more than likely not, and it was a really strange conversation. Well, afterwards, he ended up texting her, okay, and he was texting her for proof of payment, credit score, and additional information. Now, mind you, my wife and I have stayed at a lot of Airbnbs, and we've stayed at a lot of Airbnbs for a month, and to get something like this was really, really strange. For me, it was really, really strange because this is what you ask whenever you're getting a renter. You know, this is the information you have after a year, and for a month of rent, it just didn't seem to fit, and my opinion is he cared way too much. Now, he cared so much about his business and the micromanaging and not really thinking about it because our rebuttal was, hey, we can stay for two weeks. And he's like, no, it's it's this is a month long rental only. And at that point, it was like, you know, he only had one review on Airbnb and presumably this was a person who stayed there as it first opened and the person liked it so much they stayed there for years. So he's kind of new to the Airbnb consistent renting market. And I get wanting to have people there for a month, but if you're new for reviews on Airbnb, it's really important to remember, you know, people look at reviews and if you have one review on there, it's going to be a little bit weird. And, you know, in, you know, in my opinion, I was like, you know, we don't need to stay there. It's a little bit strange, but it came to this process in my mind of caring, caring way too much. What do you really care about whenever you're having a business or a conversation? It's like, do you really need to know that much information? Now, if he's putting everything he has into the Airbnb, I understand. 
But there's a point where you really have to take two steps back and identify what's really, really important. And what sometimes you care about and what you over-care about will actually be the situation that creates more issues. So, long story short, um, I was reading a book recently, and it was actually called The Art of Not Giving a F-U-C-K Blotted Out by an individual named Mark Manson. And it's a good read. I listened to it on Audible, and the speed was a little bit more quicker, but the read is really interesting because it kind of comes at the right time. Sometimes whenever I pour things into this podcast and I'm making them every single day, I attach a lot of emotional connection to it. Why aren't people listening? Why are the views so low? You know, what do I have to do? Why have I not gotten ads yet? You know, things like that is what I'm asking myself, and I have to really put it in the context that maybe I'm caring a little bit too much about the day-to-day outcome of this podcast, and it's not serving me, you know, and and I want to differentiate something. I have goals that I need to hit personally. I am putting my time and energy into it, yes, but the art of not caring is really what this book is about. It's about not putting your care, your mind into things that don't really even matter, that's not even really affecting you on the day-to-day. That Airbnb, for example, they could have gotten money, they could have got a two-week renter, we could have put reviews on the Airbnb forum, we could have done the process, but they were caring so much about a month individual, a month-long renter, they kind of lost the point. Hey, you have a customer, you've just vetted them. And they're willing to pay you money. Obviously, it's not what you want, but you're caring so much about getting a month-long renter, it's kind of clouding your vision. Well, I think caring too much is a really, really, it's a thing we do a lot, and sometimes we don't ever talk about it. And it's not necessarily like going through this process of self-help and stopping it. It's just you have to be responsible for what you do. This is is a great example, and it's going to sound a little bit interesting. So whenever you're interacting or going on a first date, you can think about it like this. If you were going on a first date and you connect with somebody and the chemistry is good, in all reality, on that first date, you just want to connect enough to communicate. You want to have like-minded goals and visions, and you want to address and communicate with someone you think is most emotionally healthy. Now, if you dated them and they overcared. I'm sure everyone has dated that person who texts them too much, they call too much because they think, this is the one, I need to be with them. you know. And because you're caring so much, that attention and energy is pushing away the person because it feels like a desperate energy. Oh, they're caring so much they want to do this. What would it be like being in a relationship with them? So mastering how you care about something can really dictate how something can be successful. And I mean that in the sense of Whenever you go to bed at night, if you're allowing things to really take over in your mind, it's, 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 it's going to be so difficult. You know, and this is a quote from the book. You will never be happy if you continue to search for what happiness consists of. You will never live if you are looking for the meaning of life. Exactly. Looking for the meaning of life is a concept that isn't really attainable. It's like you're living life day to day. What are you obtaining daily? What if you break your lifestyle goals into a daily routine, a daily mindset? Obviously, you have goals, keystones, everything you want to hit. But it's really coming to this process of a day-to-day thing. And I have learned 
about not caring actually from a mentor of mine. Whenever I was going through a hard time, I was actually let go from a job once. And it was really strange for me because in the middle of the exit interview, I got this job. I was working really, really hard. I was trying to do value and I cared so much. I was working on it on Sundays. I was putting forth a lot of energy and attention because I was trying to make up for the simple fact that I have a learning challenge and sometimes it relates to dyslexia and I'm not always as quick on the keys for typing and doing things like that. It, it's just a way of life. I try to make up for it in other ways because that's how I've done it my whole life. Well, as a result of doing it, I had this job for three weeks and it just was really stressing me out. And I just remember going in the office being like, I'm going to get let go today. I can feel it. And as a result of going up and I got called and the guy said, hey, we're going to let you go. We just don't think you're really right for this role. We feel like you'd be good for a role under it, but it's just too late. And he looked at me and he goes, you're one of the hardest working people I ever know or have ever met. And they went ahead and let me go. And that moment was so hard for me because I cared so much about overcompensating and making sure I could do the job, make the deliverables, you know, help the client, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what happened is I was able to negotiate some pretty good money transitions over and wherever they give me a stipend. And the stipend carried me over for about four weeks. Um, as a result of those four weeks, I applied for so many jobs. And I got a job from a guy who called me up. He sounded like Matthew McConaughey. He's like, hey, man, you know, how'd you like, you know, and he went through my resume. He talked to me and I went to this interview and it was like a very different sensation. I've been living in D.C. trying to cultivate this really strong professional mindset of being able to show up, be consistent, do whatever it takes kind of kind of kind of ability. And, you know, I thought that was my identity. I show up and, you know, I apply for this job. I have a conversation and he's like, hey, we're going to interview you. Be here if possible. Mind you, for me, I was doing everything I could to land a job and I was so scared of caring about having dyslexia and not really seeing the full me and how I could potentially add value to a company. I get in the interview and it's probably the craziest interview I've ever had non-traditional. We go and eat in a faux restaurant. There's four guys there. One of them sitting in the back of me and they're grilling me. They're seeing where I'm at, you know, in the position was a sales position helping with business development for the federal government. And mind you, at this point, my soul was crushed. Like I, I went through master's school. I transitioned to D.C. I tried to do everything I could do in order to be successful. And I worked so hard and I cared so much. And all it got me was the fact that someone asked me to leave. So it was my biggest fear. And I'm in the middle of this interview and it's going like it's it's good. It's kind of like an interview you're having with your boys. Like they're asking questions. There's a little bit like uncomfortable conversations. And it's not always the most traditional way, but it wasn't like super crazy. And I, it wasn't like a typical interview. They're trying to determine how I am under pressure. And I get to a point in the conversation. And I just want to say, hey, I want to be fully transparent. I do have some dyslexia and it really causes a lot of issues with me. And the guy looked at me. He's like, I don't care. He's like, are you? You know, I don't care. And like, like, okay. And he really wanted to see where I was at. And he's like, how do you feel about cold calling? I'm like, I have no problem with cold calling. So I ended up cold calling and I ended up going on a second interview. And the guy really taught me, hey, the art of work in this environment is to not care so much. 
I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, when you care so much, you get so clouded and you can't see the task at hand. Your job is to generate leads. It's like, you're going to get no's. That's okay. It's like, you're just putting yourself out there and you're trying, you're being a generator. Whenever you're generating leads, you have to focus on a multitude of ones and they'll hit if they'll hit if you're doing your process. You don't got to worry about caring. That's not what you need right now. And it really was a moment where I was like, wow, I had this validation where clearly this person was very successful. They have built a company. They understood what they needed to do. He wasn't judging me of my lack of. In fact, he looked at it as an asset. He's like, this person's going to come in and work really hard. And he really taught me that you can't always care so much and just generate and work to work and do what you have to do. You have to take two steps back read the situation, identify what needs to get done, and don't get emotionally attached to it. And that's really what it's, what in my opinion, what a lot of aspects of this book is about. I think a really good, good message it had inside of it was talking about how you have to pick which problem you want to have. I thought that was a key message that came through to me. And what the author means is you could be a millionaire and you could be living with different problems or you could be poor and living with different problems. But life is all about struggle. You're always going to struggle. There's always struggle happening. This is a message as old as time that, that dates back to the, the birth of Buddhism. But picking your right problems is what you have to do. What do you want to have problems about? If you're a millionaire, do you want to have problems about paying security, building a house? If you're poor, what do you want your problems to be? What do you want to identify them? Mind you, each problems are different, and this is a very micro look at it, and I understand that. But... Whenever you think about issues like that, it's kind of in a way, to me, it, it, it's a relief. Yeah, life is about struggle. You have to pick what you want to do. You know, you have to understand that you have to really determine and be mindful what you want to care about. And sometimes your failures, like the situation with my job, actually led to success. Now, here's what's crazy. I have a job, you know, I do podcasting as a hobby, but I have a job where they hired me specifically for my skill set, and I was able to create my own niche at a company. So in four years, I went from carrying all this craziness about wanting to do a good job to finding a job, understanding what I need to do, but I don't put any emotional attachment to it, and I'm, I'm doing well. So that's why it's really important sometimes that how you shift that care. I'm not caring about the outcome. I'm not caring about what other people say. At the end of the day, I do have to kind of say, you know, this, I'm not going to put so much into it. I'm just going to let it be. And whatever happens, happens. And whenever you do this process, it really creates a ability to have a superpower. But you're not always worried and overanalyzing things. Should I said this? Should I said that? It's like, no, you at the end of the day, you can only care so much. And it's really important in what you want to care about your relationships with people you love your your hobbies, your passions, your things like this, you know, if you're living in a mindset of this has to happen or else, it's going to be a failing moment. You'd say this is going to happen, it's going to be consistent and I'm going to put the right amount of tension in it. And if you think too much about something, essentially that's what happens with burnout. Thank you for listening. We'll get back to you tomorrow.